All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Studio B. I am your host, Pastor MDH. Thank you so very much for joining us here again. Uh, make sure wherever you're watching us at Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or on our YouTube page that you like, subscribe, follow so that you don't miss one single episode of Studio B. You can also follow us on Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify as well. So make sure wherever you're listening for them that you uh, keep informed with what's going on here on Studio B. Uh, today, I have a very, very, very special guest in the house today, um, a brother that came and visited us a couple of weeks ago, literally a few months ago, and then we had him back. Um, a few Mondays to talk to the men in particular, uh, but brother Lee Thomas, um, it is good to see you here on the set of Studio B, man. Thank you. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good to see you, Pastor. Hopefully. Man, God is good. God Amen. is good. So brother Lee is a little bit of background from him. Uh, came from Kuwait um, after the invasion in 1990. Yep. Uh, was in the healthcare industry as a director of radiology and cardiology for 18 years. Yes. Uh, retired from healthcare in 2014 to go full time with World Financial Group. You're married to your lovely wife, Bessie, yes. of 21 years, and you got three wonderful children. You got Jaden, Andrew, and Brielle. Yep. Well, praise God. Did I pronounce Brielle right? You did. Oh, man, look you at God. Great. Okay, you've been in the financial industry since November of 2000, Correct. and you hold life, health, and insurance licenses. You're Series 6. You're talking my language. Yes. You're S63, you're S65, you're S26, and you're licensed to practice in 32 states. That's right. Well, praise God, man. Amen. Uh, I am looking forward to this conversation because I believe it's a conversation that we all should be having, talking about financial literacy. Absolutely. Um, 2020 notwithstanding, but we need to be talking about how to be more financially literate when it comes to our lives. I agree. So, man, let me give you a couple things just to kind of introduce yourself and tell sure. the people who you are. You know, Pastor Holman, I appreciate you having me here. It's such an incredible journey the last 20 years. Uh, being part of a financial literacy campaign, I truly believe this. It doesn't matter how much money you make today. If you don't understand what to do with it, we're going to be without. Mm. And nowhere is, you know, they don't teach this stuff in school. You know, we can have all the education in this country, but yet they do not teach financial literacy in schools. And I, I really do believe, I hope someday they do have these classes so our kids can get better before they even come out of either high school or college so they can handle their finances better. One thing we raise our three kids, they're 16, 15, and 10, I tell them all the time, I don't care what you do for a living, but you gotta understand money. Hmm. If you understand money, you'll always have enough of it. If you don't understand it, I don't care how much you make, you'll never have enough. Yeah. And Bible's full of great examples of understanding. I don't think the, the Bible covers as much or no other book covers as much about money as the Bible does. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I just want to have that as an opening statement. And so I want I want to talk about that, me because me and you, Lee, we've talked offset um, a couple of Monday ago, uh, Mondays ago before we talked to the men. That is a perfect segue of where we are. Here we are, well into our twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixty years old. Yeah. We've worked on jobs for twenty, thirty, and forty years. Uh, you go to school K through 12, you graduate, you go to college, then you go on to postgraduate uh, studies. But in all of those years of learning, right. there are not specific classes that talk about money management. Now, in college, we take economic courses and, and all of this other stuff, but there are not specific financial classes 
uh, as we're coming up in school that teach us how to handle money. Right. And the strange part about that is that money will affect every single aspect of your life. Absolutely. It takes money to be born. It takes money to die and money right. in between. That's right. And so this all important thing about money, we're never taught on how to handle it. That's right. Once it comes into our hands, what do we do with it? So this thing about financial literacy is something that I'm very passionate about because here I am, 47 years old, and even as I reflect back on my own life, um, it wasn't until I was about 32, maybe 34 years old. So I'm 35 years in the game, right. and I don't even know how to properly handle money because nobody, my mom, bless her heart, she worked hard two and three jobs to get by, but she never set me down at the table and say, Here's how you balance a checkbook. Correct. Here's the money that you have. Here's what you ought to do with the money that you have. Nobody ever taught us that. So this campaign that you guys are on about financial uh, literacy, I think is very, very important. Absolutely. But where does it start? You know, the biggest thing is this. Everybody's making some kind of money today. But what are they doing with it? You know, most people, we realize they're in debt. So the first thing they got to do is learn how to manage that debt. Because there's only two ways you can handle this. Either you make more money or you cut down your expenses. Mm. And most people are not in a position to earn more money because they're happy where they are. They love their jobs. They go to work. They bring a certain amount of income. But the problem is the expenses are either at or above their income. Yeah. So it's very simple. Either you're going to cut down your expenses or you're going to increase your income. How do you figure out those two things? Those are, that's what set me on a path of searching. Here I was, I went to college. Both me and my wife, we graduated, had great jobs. And getting into the marriage, I told my wife, very simple. I said, listen, we are going to save half of everything we make, and we're going to live on half. Hmm. That gives us a position. We started tithing 10%, then we bumped it to 12, 15, 18. Today we give about 20% of our money away in tithes and offerings to different organizations. Amen. And, but that comes with planning. And today, the biggest check we write, we take the entire bills in our household, and I write more out to charitable organizations today. Mm -hmm. But that didn't come overnight. That came in 20 years of planning. In January this year, it'll be 22 years of us being married. And we live by those same principles. We never exceeded half of our income in terms of expenses. That's very hard to do if you're making a limited income. And also, I tell people, you know, there's so many things you have to do. And we have a workshop that strictly teaches on managing debt. And different organizations have different ways to do it. There's a couple of different ways I tell people. One is a debt roll-up. That is so important to learn how to knock out one debt and then start using that money towards the next debt. And we show people how to get completely debt-free, including their homes, in about seven years. Wow. And finding an extra $150 to $200 in their budget. And everybody has $150 to $200 yeah, in their budget. Yeah, everybody got that, yeah. The challenges, they're going down to Papa Do's instead of eating a Luby's, mm. right? They're eating, you know, way beyond what they should be than make, when they get the family together. They, there's no limit to what they're spending. That's the biggest challenge today. It's not the problem making money. Everybody's figured that out. You know, I was coming to the church compound. We got some of the nicest cars in the church parking lots nowadays. Yeah, yeah. But yet those same folks... They might not have the money to tie. They might not have money to give. They might not have money to put away for their future. And they're spending three, $4,000 on rims and three, $4,000 on a paint job. Yeah, yeah. But there's yeah. no money left aside to put away. How do we fix that? You know, what I realize is we can fix being broke. I tell this to people all the time. It's okay to be broke temporarily, but you cannot be poor. Mm. Poor is a state of mind. Yeah, poor is a state of mind. Can't Come on. Fit, you know? Come on, now you're talking. Yeah. So how do you, okay, so you talked about that there's two ways. 
you either got to reduce your expenses Correct. or increase your income. That's right. So in, in talking about this, um, most people that are watching, um, we kind of live life in finances uh, by generation to generation. Correct. You know, we see our moms and our dads and our grandfathers going to work every single day. And at the end of the month, if you've gotten all the bills paid, then high five yourself. You know, as long as the lights are still on, as long as, you know, the couple of gallons of gas in the car, you've done what you needed to do, high five yourself. And then we go on to the next month. And so most of us, that's how we kind of learn finances is by trial and error. But when you start looking at the money that we're making, and then you start looking at the money that you want to make, those are vast gaps between those two. And so how do you take a normal person who does not have that kind of financial literacy, doesn't have that financial background, and start them from a grassroots level? What's that process look like? You know, that's where the education comes in. Financial literacy on all ends, one, is the industry you're in allow you to make additional income. So that is rule number one. If you're in a great career, what is the glass ceiling in that Mm -hmm. career? Is Mm -hmm. that going to be enough for you? You know, so different careers have certain glass ceilings. Yeah. You're not going to penetrate that. doesn't matter how many degrees you go get additionally. It's not that's the max you're going to make in that field of practice. So what are you looking at? Either you, so I see people going into rental properties, right? They'll buy one. They'll buy two. Why? To create another stream of income. Now people go, well, if I don't have enough money to buy a rental property, what do I do? There's so many ways in this country you can leverage money. Mm. But the thing is you cannot do anything without any money. My smallest client today puts away $10 a month in an investment account, which was unheard of when I started in this industry 20 years ago. The same investment account that we do today for $10 a month needed $25,000 yeah, to get on. started. Yeah. And you were being in yeah. the securities yeah. industry. And today, a lot of companies, the minimum minimum guidelines, half a million, quarter million, 100000 So if somebody doesn't bring that to the table, they don't get the proper financial advice. We want to fix that. We said everybody deserves financial literacy. There is a 90% of the population is not getting financial literacy today or nobody's taking time to educate them on a complementary basis. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of time you sit down with advisors, the first thing you got to come up with is 500 to 1,000 bucks just to right. have that meeting. That's right. We eliminated that. On top of that, we get people educated through different series of books that people start, man, we got to learn this stuff because nobody's teaching it. And we got a whole series of books. I used to give them away past Omen. The challenge of giving stuff away, people never value it. Yeah, that's right. It sits on people's yeah, shelves. And they I got no skin in the game. Exactly. So what we do today is I tell people it's a $10 deposit. You don't like it, bring it back, and I'll give you back your $10. But at least you took time to read it. And you took the time to bring it back for me. I put hundreds of thousands of dollars in the books I would just give away at churches, at events. And I said, man, somebody's got to read them. Hmm. And you'll find out less than 1% take time to read. So 99% of my investment was just gone in the dirt. And you would think you're doing a service for the Lord. I said, the Lord's like, nope, nope, got to do it differently. And it took a lot of years before I learned that because I thought I was doing a service for the people. Yeah, yeah. But the reality is people didn't want to learn. People didn't so want to So let me ask you a question. So how do you, when you talk about the smallest investment is $10 a month. Right. You know, one of the things that I encounter all the time is you got to get people away from the shame of where they are. Correct. So you have a person that's 40, 45, 50 years old, they're looking back over their lives, and they haven't, you know, in, in conversations like this, that person looks back at his financial, types up his little thing on his little computer, 
and doesn't see a significant amount sure. there. And he's 40, 50. He's got kids. He's got all these responsibilities. And there's a tendency to weigh himself down with the guilt because of what he has not done. Correct. So how do you lift somebody up? And say, I think that's one of the biggest challenges to getting people to the next level Correct. is getting rid of the weight and the guilt of the past mistakes. We got to first acknowledge it. Absolutely. We got to first acknowledge where you are, take a true assessment of who you are, acknowledge that point, and then make changes based upon that decision. So how do you lift somebody from, you know, I haven't done anything. Sure. Uh, I don't have $5,000, $10,000, but I want a better life for me and my family. How do you take that person from a grassroots level and bring them up? First thing people have to know is where they are today. We do a complete financial analysis. We do it for complimentary. Nobody in the industry does that. It's a total waste of their time. So we'll spend that hour it takes to look at where people are today. It's just like a doctor. How can they prescribe anything if they don't know where the patient is? Mm. So it's important. I don't care if they're negative $50,000 in debt and have nothing to their name. If they don't see that on paper, it doesn't yeah. help them. Yeah. Well, you see it on paper, it's different. It's different. <laughs> yeah. So we can do a couple of things. One, we just have it written down. Two, we have an electronic printout of the whole graphs. And for the engineers, we do this all the time because they love to see things in graphs. And then we look at all the shortfalls. We tell them, look, it doesn't matter where you are. There's a 10-20 rule that people don't understand. Mm. If you pass away today, do you have 10 times your gross income sitting somewhere to take care of your family? Come on. Now, it can be either in savings, investments, or insurance. So that's where the education process starts. You need 20 times your gross income to be able to retire with the same lifestyle, not anything extravagant, same lifestyle. Wow, 20%. 20 times your gross income. Wow. So think about somebody making $50,000 today. Wow. They need a million dollars sitting in an account that's earning about 5% a year. Wow. To generate the same lifestyle, <laughs> yeah, come on. not counting for inflation. Yeah, not counting for inflation. So that part of planning is not there. And the other thing we tell people is you got to get rich slowly. Big uh, misconception is people think they have to get rich quick. So they're always chasing the next hottest thing. Now walk with that. You yes. got to get rich slowly. Walk with that. Getting rich is a 20 and 30 year process if somebody's on a limited income. Now, if you have access to income and money's not an issue, you can get rich a lot faster. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about a typical family, $40,000, $50,000 a year, it's a 25-, 30-year journey to get wealthy. Yeah. And you don't have to do anything extravagant. It's just simple as saving 10 to $15 a day. Mm-hmm. That's what people don't realize. Everybody, regardless of their income, can put away $10 a day. Where are they putting it is a question. <laughs> That's a good word. Right? So where are they putting it at? Everybody Correct. can manage that particular dollar Correct. amount no matter where they are in life. That's right. So whether he's a CEO or whether he's working at McDonald's, you can find that money somewhere. It's just right. where you're putting it at, right? That's a key right there. So $10 a day. Now people go, well, I could put this in the mattress. I could put it in a safe deposit box. I've seen it in the freezer. I've seen it in the backyard in the hole in the ground. But I'll ask them this. Do you know there's a difference when you're talking about safe money and safe money that's growing? Mm. All those things I mentioned are safe money. But what people don't realize is they're losing money safely because of inflation that they didn't account for. Yeah, that's eating it up. It's eating up. So if our money's not growing at least 35 to 4% a year in any investment, we lost inflation factor. We lost the purchasing power of that money. You know, when I came here, I was 16 years old. I grew up in Kuwait where the cost of gas was eight cents a gallon for gas. I lived in New York for a couple of years where gas was 93 cents a gallon. Man, I was culture shocked yeah. 10 times wow. more than what we were used to paying. And then I realized, man, how do people live? And then I came to Houston, gas got into two and three and four dollars. Yes, it's lower now because of the oil glut. 
but how long is it going to stay down? Mm. Are we going to let markets control our financial future? Is our income keeping up with that 20 and 30 years later? You know, I used to work in a grocery store at 16 years old. I knew the price of every commodity past home. And what I realized was for 100 bucks in 1992, you could have a basket full of groceries. Yes, sir. You remember yes, those sir. days? Yes, sir. For 100 bucks today, you're lucky to get yes, three sir. pieces of meat in your yes, basket. Yes, sir. Big difference. And how do people manage that as they get older? You know, a lot of times people tell me when they get older, they don't need as much money. That's where the social security came mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. But it's now become so, so security. You know, we don't know if it's going to be around. Yeah, we don't know right. if there's going to be enough money. And the thing is, the average social security check is about less than 1500 bucks today. How is that going to manage anything? You know, so people are used to three or four or five thousand dollars a month today, and all of a sudden they retire. Now they're living on fifteen hundred dollars, and that doesn't cover the the rent or mortgage if they still got one. And then you have a lot of different. What's happening? The financial industry has failed the American people. Bottom line, they've gotten creative about creating things to really hurt the consumer if the consumer is not educated. Yeah. The reverse mortgages came yeah, out. Yeah, it's yeah. hurt a lot of older people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and they don't have enough people in that corner educating them to see if that is a good decision or not. You know, most of my clients should have over 7,000 clients that we built the last 20 years. When they're doing any purchase today, they'll say, hey, Lee, what do you think about this? Yeah. I tell them, look, and I know these guys have the money today because I manage it for them. The fact they picked up the phone and called me tells me, hey, they value absolutely that relationship. Absolutely. Because I told them this in the early years, and they've been my clients now for 15, 18, 20 years, and that's what kept them with the money. Because before they made a major purchase, they said, Lee, this is what we're thinking about doing. What do you, what do you think we should do? Sometimes husband and wives can be on complete different spectrums when it comes to saving, investing, spending. And I tell folks all the time, if you're in a marriage, you've got to come together with your finances. If your finances are kept separate, that's not what the Lord intended. Absolutely. It has to be on the same page because as a wife, if you want to spend the money and a husband wants to save the money, it's not going to work. And if the husband wants to spend money and the wife wants to save money, it's not going to work. How do you bring them both on the same page? And how do you give each other allowances to make some expenses once in a while? So let me ask you this. Um, in, in spiritual terms, when you're looking at the Bible, um, we talked about this in a men's class a couple of weeks ago. There are over 2,000 verses in the Bible alone that talk about money. Um, out of the 35 parables, Jesus talked about money 18 of those 35 Correct. times. And one of the most profound things that he said in Matthew 6 and 21, whereas wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's right. Money impacts every single aspect of your life. That's right. And because it is such a factor, it is such a factor in our lives. I think that is one of the most important things that we need to be educated on. And so we, we give people um, the idea that everybody's not going to be rich. But I do believe that God wants to live a, wants us to live in a life that honors him. That's absolutely right. And so if we're running from bill collectors, if we're borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, that's, uh, right. that's not a life that is pleasing unto him. Correct. But the, the, the fact of these, these things that we don't know like inflation, the compound rule. Correct. We don't know that that little, well, like we got $500 sitting under the mattress. Correct. So it's there, but in five years, that $500 is not the same $500. That's right. So how do you, it, it, it's, you know, when, I'm, when I was thinking about this this morning, Lee, um, it is such a powerful principle about knowledge. Correct. You know, the Bible says that my people perish. Because of lack of knowledge. Because of a lack of knowledge. Correct. Not because the, not because the information is not out there. Correct. 
It's because we don't possess it. Correct. And so when you're talking about something like money, money is very personal. It is. It is a very private matter. Correct. Um, a prideful matter. Yes. And the devil kind of gets all into the details. And even yeah. though a person might say, this is where I am, this is where I want to go. But in order for me to get right here, I got to let Brother Lee into my business. Correct. You know, I tell people, it doesn't matter. We respect you where you come from, regardless of, you know, I'm really grateful that I had a dad that taught me the value of the money. And he told me, hey, listen, you don't buy anything if you don't have cash on hand for it. Mm. But growing up in the Middle East, um, in a foreign country, you couldn't really buy much. You couldn't buy a home. You had to live in a rental property because you were still a foreigner living in that land. Mm. Even though I was born and raised there, I was still considered Indian citizen because my parents were from India. Mm. So... You know, you appreciate a lot being in the U.S. today because the U.S. is a land of opportunities. This is the crazy part. Living in Kuwait, we thought everybody in the U.S. had a money uh, tree in the backyard. <laughs> it's amazing how people think when we're around the world and what we think of the Americans today. We believe every American family today in the U.S. does have a money tree in the backyard. All you do is when every time you need money, you shake the tree. <laughs> you just shake the tree you and it falls off. Right. Yes, right. <laughs> that is not the case for people. I was on a call yesterday with... Uh, 37 workers in India that we've been supporting for a long time. And it was the early morning for them. My brother-in-law is, is head of missions, and I've been supporting that work. So he wanted me. This is the first time I got on a call with them. And these people were outside shaking, shivering, because it was negative weather there in the northern part of India. They don't have heating in their homes. Yeah. I mean, it, we take that for granted. Yeah, yeah. You know, something simple as heating. Yeah. They were huddled together with blankets just to be able to get on a call. And it was 6.30 their time, and they had 37 people on the call. And these are missionaries in the field that got trained in the Bible college and sent them out. My, my heart goes out to them. That is something that I don't know if I could do that, mm. right? But yet, the tool that the Lord had helped me with is the money side. I can help them financially so you, yeah, look to God. be able to take care of those things. Mm. You know, so we look at things. Money's just a tool. You brought this up earlier. It's a tool that, I, that affects every aspect of our life. When you have money, you don't think much about it. When you don't, you think about it all the time. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the principle, right? That is the principle. Yeah. You know, and because now the thinking part is, okay, how do I spend that? Do I really do that? Versus praying and asking God, what do you want me to do with it? It's a whole different piece when you go to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Now, isn't that where the, isn't that where the rubber meets the road? It is. Um, because I'm, I'm, really, I'm really honing in on this part as, you know, in my years of working with Chase, um, I would tell people all the time that we got bankers just sitting around the, the, the lobby and the banking doing nothing. And I would tell people that had accounts at Chase, I'd say, man, listen, that financial advisor that sits in the corner of the bank, right. you have access to them. Like you can literally go into that office and talk to that financial advisor. Right. But it's the part about the knowledge that scares a lot of people. Lee. That's right. So what are some basic principles, like foundational principles, right. if you could impart to people right now? I think inflation is a big one. It is. Uh, I think the compound interest is a, uh, big one. Is a huge one it is. Um, that many people don't know about. So what's some of those basic foundational principles that can help somebody gain some financial literacy? It is just like... I tell people wealth formula. It's a formula to building wealth. You know, money is only one ingredient. You got to have time. Yeah. You got to understand this is where the rubber meets the road. What kind of rate of return are you getting on that money? Hmm. So you, time. time. Time is an important element, it right? So okay. When, when you're young and if you have 20, 30 years, man, time is your friend. <laughs> yeah, time is your friend. <laughs> and you could do a lot in 20, 30 years. Yeah. But as you get older, time 
you don't have as much time. Mm-hmm. Now you got to have more money. So I tell mm-hmm. people, either you have a lot of money today or you have a lot of time today. Mm-hmm. But you can't tell me you don't have both. Mm-hmm. You know, so those are things that we got to fix. But getting the rate of return that outpaces inflation, which is a big part. So I tell people, look back at your accounts. What kind of rate of returns have you been getting the last two years, three years? Has it been outpacing inflation? Now, this is a big part, taxes. Mm-hmm. When are you going to pay taxes on it? Are you going to pay taxes every year? Did you already pay taxes? Or are you going to pay taxes in the future that at a rate you don't know about yet? That is where the government gets their hands in our pocket. Think about how smart the government is. For every working American today that works in a W-2 environment, before they get their check, they pay taxes already. Mm-hmm. The government took care of their expenses today. Mm-hmm. They encourage every American to put money into an account like a 401k, a 403, a 457, regardless of what they call it. It is a tax-deferred account. Mm-hmm. The challenge that most Americans don't see, nowhere does it say in that statement how much tax is going to be taken out in the future. Yeah. <laughs> None of us, as homeland, would ever buy a home if we didn't know what the interest rate was on that home. And we're talking of maybe 2 to 4% difference. Uh, 3% on a 10 or 15-year versus yeah. a 45 on a 30-year mortgage. And yet that 2% difference, you pay three times a house on a 30-year versus a 10 or 15 years. Now, think about a house is not the biggest investment. It's your retirement asset, Mm. the biggest investment. So when tax rates went from 10% to 25% a year ago, 15% on retirement accounts, what kind of impact does that do for the family in the future? Wow. And people don't even know it. They lowered it to 20% during COVID so they can make it easy accessibility Mm -hmm. for your retirement accounts. Mm -hmm. Everybody's getting into their retirement account that was supposed to be for retirement because why? We have a major global pandemic going on, and instead of figuring out how to cut back expenses drastically or how to increase income drastically during this time, people are like, man, I got the money here, let me use this. And see, that is a false sense of security. You're taking the money that you already have saved and said, okay, the Lord has given us all of us creativity to be able to start looking and praying and say, okay, how do we do something different during the pandemic? Maybe it's a business you want to launch. It doesn't matter what it is. I've seen people make money so many different ways, whether it's selling something on Amazon, something on eBay, getting out there mowing some lawns, getting out there and doing something for somebody, power washing their home. There's so many different ways you can earn additional income. And I tell people this all the time. Figure out what you're good at. And then do it because you enjoy doing it and the money will follow. A lot of time people chase the money and the money keeps running away from yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Because why? They're chasing the money first. We got to get away from that. We got to do, and then again, people take that so literally. They say, "Well, I like drawing," and they want to draw all day. But unless you're an artist, yeah, you're not you going to be able to. Yeah, you're going to live all day. So, Lee, you, you're speaking um, some stuff, man. That is, you know, just resonating within me because, you know, we, we live. I've often said this on Studio B, man. I've traveled around the world, man. God has been terribly faithful to me. Um, Forty-one yeah. different countries all around the world. I have seen things. Um, so I have a point of reference when I come back to America. Uh, America offers the absolute greatest opportunity for success yep. uh, in so many different ways. Yes. Um, so actually, to your first statement at the beginning of the podcast, the people have figured out how to make money. Correct. Like we know how to make money. We That's know right. how to go to work and get a paycheck. We know that. But how to save that money, how to make that money work for us. And I think here's where the, the, the challenge is. Correct. I know how to work for money. Correct but I don't know how to make money work for me. That's where the shift starts happening. So the first part is making the money, bringing the money home. Now, 
we got to take 10% of that income. Of course, it belongs to yeah, the Lord. Yeah, that belongs to the Lord. Now, we're going to talk about that. Correct. Next 10%, you got to put away for you. Now, where That's paying yourself. Paying yourself. Got to talk about that. Right? Now, you still have another 10% for emergency day funds outside of paying yourself first. Then you're left with about 50 or 60% of your income that's there after taxes. But where does it all go? Okay, now, Lee, so now you, you just said something here. So I'm left with not the money that I put in the bank. Correct. That's, that's not the number that I'm dealing with. Nope. I'm dealing with a whole nother number. That's right. Okay, so the first mistake is I'm dealing with that number that I just got direct deposited Correct. into my account on Fridays. That's right. So that's why I'm making my first mistake at. Because that's not the money that I'm actually dealing with. That's right. So when you talk about that and you people saying, well, no, that's the money that I made. That's the money that I'm working with. Correct. No, I'm actually working with 30 to 40 percent less, less of whatever that number is. That's right. And that's a shift in the mind. Uh, so, Mr. Lee, um, yes. man, I, I am so enjoying this conversation, man, because I think it's a conversation that we need Correct. to have. Absolutely. Um, without the fear of shaming, um, with the mindset of wanting to lift the person up from wherever position they may be. That is. Um, you know, I was having uh, off air, we was talking that, you know, from a cultural standpoint, um, there are differences in culture. Correct. Uh, we would be remiss not to identify those particular differences in cultures. We have um, the Jewish culture. We have the Asian community. Uh, we have the African-American community, the Caucasian community, minority communities. Correct. And there are different cultures, different Correct. ways of life in all of those cultures. Uh, speaking from the African-American standpoint, um, we are, and I've said this, and this is no slight to anybody, but we are one of the few people that wear our wealth. Correct. Um, the ability to show the wealth, Correct. we take great pride in. Sure. So it's in the clothes that we have, the name brands, sure. the, the cars, the rims, and all the, the flashy stuff Correct. Uh, to make people look. But there are communities that I used to counsel at Chase that were far beyond the flash. Correct. But when you looked at that account, they had money. And I mean, he coming in in dad jeans Correct. and pro wings. But when you pull up his account, Correct. his account speaks volumes. That's right. And they would pass that on down Generation. generationally. Correct. And so when you're looking at financial literacy and the importance thereof, Correct. how do we pass down information generationally that even if right now I don't, Correct. at 55, 60 years old, that person may be watching and they're saying within themselves, I haven't done what I needed to do. Sure. But I got kids. Correct. I got grandkids. How do I start with them? What's the process? You know, the biggest deal is getting financially literate ourselves first. We cannot share anything that we don't know about. And what we don't know, we can't talk about. I want to encourage every parent, grandparent, I don't care what your age is, start learning first for you because mm -hmm. it's very hard to share something you don't know. And learn the basic principles. I know I have seen people with a master's degree, they got all these degrees, yeah. but no money. Yeah. And they use that education as a crutch. Because they got this educational piece, they feel like they can't come down to a level for us to really help them. Mm. So they walk out of the office with their pride, but no money. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing to see where, and I tell them, listen, it's okay. Let's start somewhere. I don't care if all you got is 50 bucks. I don't care if you got 100 bucks and you got an MBA. It doesn't matter. Because I tell people, and sometimes people get offended. I tell you know, the person that taught you the MBA, if you were, took it from Rice or U of H, it doesn't matter where. Did you know they were actually getting paid by the college to teach you that class? Come on. 
they never were in business. So how can they teach you business? Come on now. So how did you master business from a college professor that taught you and they're working for W-2 income for the college? It's a big, see the college system in our country's gotta change and we gotta change drastically. There's gotta be education for the business owner and there's gotta be education for people that wanna be educated. And it's different because we do need educated people to run the businesses. Mm but we need the business owners to run the business and have the A students to work for them or work for us to do the best job because we can't have everybody as a business owner, right? Somebody's got to still move. Yeah. Even though we do want everybody as a business owner because if you look in the 50s and 60s in this country, everybody had farms. Everybody grew things in their backyard. It's not there anymore. Everybody's going to the store to run everything, right? So what used to be self-sustained, now everything is purchased. So they're giving the business to everybody else, but never asking for the business in return. So I ask people this all the time. If I'm giving my business to somebody, I'm always finding a way to see, okay, how can we do business together? Hmm. I've done business with you X amount of years, X amount of times. When do we, when do we see how we can do business with each other? What do I bring of value to the table that they would need so we can trade? And everybody brings something of value. You know, uh, my little girl, she started baking cookies. And she started going from banana bread to cookies. She's 10 years old. I actually built her a cooking station in my house just yeah. so she can cook. Come on. Now, this is the thing. My wife comes up. She goes, honey, let's make a business out of it. We're going to give everybody for free during Thanksgiving and Christmas. Give them all cookies. They're going to see how great it is. And now you're going to be able to sell them. Yeah, you got a marketable product now. You see? So mm-hmm. now she's passionate about it. Yeah. It's not even the business idea, but it's the business idea behind it. That's how businesses are formed, from an idea that says, you know what, I'm good at this. How do I make it marketable? And people are good at so many different things today. They just don't know how to market it. So learning how to market themselves is so important. And I'm not even big on social media yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm still very old school. So a lot of my marketing is boots on the ground, is getting people educated one at a time, and their referral basis. Man, if I do a good job for you, Pastor Holman, I hope you talk about me. Come on. Right? That's how we build that network across the country today. So in the past, I would have to fly to do me with a client. I'd meet him at the airport. I'd land, go do a meeting at, at, a, at a restaurant, and then I'm taking the next flight back and coming. Look how much the world has changed in the last 10 months. Today, I'm jumping from state to state on Zoom technology. Yeah. I just want to encourage the people, I don't care what you do today, you got to learn how to use technology. And this is coming from somebody that's not technologically literate. But I had to learn how to use Zoom. I had mm. to learn how to use an Elmo connected to Zoom mm. to be able to share my books mm. that I read. Even though I didn't write any of them, these are great books that's out there that you can get on Amazon, but we make it available so people can start learning. Something simple as how money works. Stop being a sucker. Mm. It's an incredible piece. Yeah, come on now. And this book has stuff in pictures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they explain compound interest in pictures. They explain the 10-20 rule in pictures. They explain the wealth formula in pictures. Now talk about that book. Now let's 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 look at that book. Yes. And, and let's talk about it from a very very practical standpoint. Absolutely. Okay? So how money works is by right. Tom Matthews and Stephen Seibold. Okay. So yes. one of the things that we talk about, and one of the things that you just said, is okay. I got uh, I got a direct deposit that hit you know let's say a thousand dollars. Sure. Okay. First principle, and this is a pastor talking, first principle is uh, everything belongs to the Lord. That's right. Uh, The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Amen. Uh, God has given us the right, the privilege to partake in what is rightfully his. That's right. 
of all the trees in the garden you may freely eat, Correct. but that one you, you can't. can't touch. Right, because that one is holy, and that's God. That's the ten percent rule. Yes. So that money that comes right off the top Correct. is ten percent that belongs to God. That's ten percent that's God's, and it's God's alone. Amen. Okay, so God gives us that principle, Correct. and I often share Lee that it's easier to live off of ninety percent than it is a hundred percent. So we got a thousand dollars that just hit our account from Correct. our bank from whatever we do in our particular profession. Ten percent of that automatically goes off the top. That's right. Now, the second principle you talk about is now I have to pay myself. Correct. Now, that's something that many people have not, never heard. That's right. Now, is paying for myself a new pair of shoes? No, it's not. <laughs> so what is paying for my, <laughs> so, what is paying myself? hundred. So let's say you make $1,000. At least 10% of it is 100 bucks. you got to put it away into a separate account that you can't touch right away. Mm. So what a lot of people do, they'll have a checking account, open a separate checking account or a separate savings account that they can keep moving the money with each other. Yeah. Very dangerous because what happens? Every time you loan one account, you move the money from yeah. the other account. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it doesn't really get you anywhere. So the money has to be moved out of your account where it takes you maybe three days to get access to mm. <laughs> And you lose the feeling. <laughs> See, because most people, I tell people this all the time, why don't you pray on something that you're going to buy and wait on it for the next day or two and then make a decision. If you still feel like you need to get it, go get it. Because the challenge today is people want something, they don't wait, they go get it right away. Mm. They don't understand the concept of delayed gratification. Delayed gratification is such a powerful tool because I told my wife when we first got married, honey, we're going to be living like we don't have anything for 15 years. We're going to only buy what we need. Mm. We're never, not going to buy what we want. We want to want a lot of things, but we're only going to buy what we need. At the end of 15 years, I'm going to give you a million dollars and you can buy whatever you want. Mm. But that 15-year journey was not easy. Even though we had money, we lived like we didn't have any money. Yeah. yeah, we had a decent house, right? We had decent clothes, but you didn't buy those things that you wanted. So you didn't have the Bentley outside, huh? No, we didn't. You didn't have the 24-inch right? rims? No, we didn't. <laughs> okay. Right? And those are educational pieces, because my brother is a perfect example of this. He was 22 years old, and he came to me to manage his money. At 22, he graduated in IT, started working with the DA's office, making decent income. The first thing he wanted to do was put some rims on his Mustang. <laughs> He's 22. Yeah, he's 22. And he comes to me, he goes, bro, what do you think? I said, look, how much money you got in the account? He said, what, $2,800. How much is the rims? About 2200 bucks. I said, look, why don't you get $28,000 and then go spend $2,200? Mm. And he said, you know what? That sounds better. My rims are fine, nothing wrong with it. He was staying home with my parents. Seven years later, my brother saved his first quarter million dollars. Mm. And we were doing, and I was managing his money. We were meeting at a family dinner at my parents' house. Uh, he still had the same Mustang, same rims. And I asked him, hey, listen, by the way, you never got your rims. Oh, man, that's too much money. It's not that important. <laughs> it's amazing yeah. how he wanted that rims when he had $2,800 in an account. And now that you got $250,000, you don't want those rims. <laughs> that's right. Because now they see value for mm -hmm. something else versus a set of rims that just kind of goes away with time. Now, that's the trap of where we are right now. Because Correct. every time we sit down and watch a TV program, we're inundated with commercials. Correct that says, be like the Joneses, Correct. you got to have this, this is the new latest thing. I was talking last night with the men uh, for Monday, Monday night and talking about the new iPhone 12 that came out. Correct. It's $1,200. Crazy. And uh, 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 <laughs> $1,200. crazy. 
Um, so, you know, you talk about that delayed gratification yes. and how this money works. So we got Correct. 10% off. Correct. We got 10% that uh, I pay myself with. Correct. And now the other 10% goes where? Into your savings account that you need for an emergency. That's an emergency fund. That's emergency fund. So now another 10% goes to emergency fund. Now that's important because there was a recent survey that just came out in Forbes, uh, I think a few months ago, that said that 73% of all Americans cannot afford a $500 emergency. You're right. So just think about this. If you got into a car accident and your deductible is $1,000. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. Correct. You know, a medical thing comes up and you got to pay a deductible. You're in trouble. That's right. So now you take, you got 10% for, for the Lord. That belongs to him. 10% that I pay myself into an account that I cannot touch. Anything and then my next 10% goes into my savings for my emergency fund. That's correct. 10% okay. emergency fund. That's every check has to go 10% emergency fund. You said every check. Every check. You said every check. Every check, 10% goes to the emergency fund because you never know when the emergency happens. Now, what is a decent emergency fund? That's the next question. Usually six months of your expenses. So let's say your expenses are about $3,000 a month. You need about $18,000 sitting in an emergency fund just in case you have a major flooding. Just now, that's liquid cash. Liquid cash in the bank account. In the bank account that I have access to at any time. That's right. At least six times what my expenses are. Each month. Mm-hmm. So let's say somebody's expenses is two thousand. They need twelve thousand dollars sitting in an emergency fund. Their expenses is five thousand. They need thirty thousand dollars sitting in a liquid emergency fund. That's not money that's going to necessarily work for them. It can be, if they understand it. Mm-hmm. You can have some money market accounts that give you better returns in the bank accounts. But you need that liquid and safe. Yeah, liquid and safe. That's money. Harvey comes through. You need access. Yeah, to. come on. Yeah. You know, you have a major emergency. It's there for you. You have a major. You know, health issue. You're you're out for three months. That's money that's going to be there for you. Now, your long-term savings is something you don't touch till your retirement years. If your kids are young, till their college years, those are things that's out of sight. It's going to be there for you. You got to know how it's working, but you got to review that every six months and every twelve months to see how it's working for you. Is it working for you? Working against you? Mm. Is the fees in that account more than what the returns have been? I don't believe in us paying fees to the advisors like myself if I'm not making money. Yeah, come on. How does that make sense to the client? Yeah, come on. But yet, we don't ever talk about that. That's elephant in the room that we don't talk about. I make a 1% to 1.5% fee on my client's account, the advisory service, and I tell them, if I don't make money for you, we're going to take those fees off. Yeah. But unfortunately, you can with companies that dictate that. Yeah, yeah That's exactly That's just the right. nature of the business. That's the nature of the beast, yeah. But us clients, we have to pay attention to what's happening with our money, regardless of where we have it. We, which firm, it doesn't matter what name brand firm, we got to sit down with that advisor. You have access to them, especially if you're paying them through those fees. Hey, listen, I need my one you know, once a year or twice a year meeting to know what, my, what you have done for my money. And if that money's not working for you, if it's in the same spot that it was five years ago, what are you still doing? Now, l- let's talk about the typical um, American family that saves money. Correct. Okay, so we talked about the emergency fund that's sitting into a liquid account, whereas if any emergency came up, I can go down to the bank and take that money out. That's correct. But most people, now we're going to get to this book about how money works. This is a very important book. Correct. But when you're talking about a savings account, a savings account is giving you point zero zero one whatever. So it's not returning anything back on that money that's sitting in there. That's right. So when you're talking about the rest of that 60% money that went into my account, that other $600, what do I do with that other $600? Now, you of course, you have your bills. Got your bills. You got your expenses. Got your expenses. Now, the key thing is, how do you mitigate those expenses? How do you pay some of those expenses off? So if you're paying a car note, how fast can you pay that car off? Mm. If you got a credit card, how fast are you paying that credit card off? 
because those are the things that's leaks in our pockets. Yeah, yeah. Paying on things that we bought four or five years ago and you're still paying on it. 20, 30, 40% of what it costs more yeah. because of interest rate yeah. that you can pay attention to. Yeah. You know, I tell folks, if you're buying something today, make sure you can pay the end of the month. Mm-hmm. If you cannot pay the end of the month, hold off on it. Mm-hmm. Don't buy it yet. Wait till you have the money for it. Because that TV you bought, I've seen this all the time for Super Bowl, when Super Bowl is happening, people buy these nice flat screen TVs. Yeah, these 90,000 inch TVs. Yes. Yeah. But they're paying for it five years later, and sometimes their TV don't even work. Because new technology is coming. They want to trade that in. But they can't afford to because they're still paying on that. Hmm. And those are things that, whether it's buying a TV, whether it's buying a car, you know, I always tell people, hey, listen, let somebody else pay the depreciation. Yeah. You know, I didn't get yeah. into new cars and yeah. really leasing them because the business pays that off. Right? So if you're in Which a, is in a good investment strategy, a good is. business strategy. Correct. Um, I wouldn't recommend anybody leasing cars till they have a business. Yeah. Why? Then you own cars. But if you're owning them, let somebody else pay the depreciation. Yeah. Buy a year or two pre-owned. It's yeah. still new. It's still new. You still drive what you want to drive, but let and you got it at a 50, 40, 50% discount. Now, you're talking about, so as we look at, uh, you know, the Song of Solomon says in chapter 2, verse number 5, that it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. Correct. Um, I had a, a very, very, it, it was so simple that it was mind-blowing. Uh, my mom told me about 15 years ago, she said, I want you to write down, keep a little sticky pad with you, and I want you to write down every single expense that you spend. Absolutely. Every single expense. I'm yes. talking about whether you go to the store and get a, a Dr. Pepper for $1.99 or a McDonald's meal. And at the end of that week, I can look back on those little sticky notes and say, man, in one week, Correct. $125 I spent. Now, I can't track where any of that, but $125 I spent. Yes. You times that times four. That's 500 bucks. That's right. $6,000 a year. That didn't account for. I have no idea about where it went. Correct. Those little small holes. And when we're talking about cars, you know, you go out and buy a new car. Well, why not let somebody take that 20% depreciation? Correct. Let them drive it off the lot first. Yep. Let them put about 30,000 miles on it. You yep. come back and get it certified pre-owned. That's right. You got the same car. Exactly. Okay, but somebody else took that 20% hint. But that's not stuff that we actually talk about. Correct, because there's a stigma around buying something pre-owned mm. or, you know, or buying something old. Reality is not. It's just, it's still new. You still got the warranty on it. Something does go wrong. It still gets fixed. And the dealership covers that. Why not? Why are you paying top yeah. dollar for it? Mm. You know, when you... You know, the Lord has given us the privilege to travel around the world. My my daughter didn't know there was poor people in the U.S. She We had to go to <laughs> Vietnam two years ago. We were staying out there on the houseboat where people were out there in the fishing boats come to ask the tourists for money. She grabbed my wallet, took a whole wallet of cash, and threw it out in the water. She goes, and I asked, well, honey, what'd you do that? Ah, they're fishing for money, you know? <laughs> And what happened, the tourists took away their livelihood mm. and pushed them into the city, and they didn't mm. know how to fend for themselves, yeah, so they came to back to the where the tourists are to get money from them. And I said, did you know there's poor people in the U.S.? She goes, you never seen them. So that's when we started taking them out to the shelter to mm. feed, to be, be able to expose them. In America. To, in America. So till we took them to India, till we took them to Vietnam, they didn't know there was poor people in the U.S. Because their idea of people in the U.S., everybody has money. That's exactly right. And we live in the greatest country in the world, and yet we don't act like it. We think we live in a third world country sometimes, the way we talk or have a conversation. We have any opportunity that's available to mankind is available in the U.S., which is not the same case if you were in the Middle East, where that's I grew right. up in. That's right. 
It didn't matter. You, you right. can own anything. That's right. So you now, were, Lee, you're talking my language now. Come on, now keep it on. Because yes. America is, the, the, you know, warts and all. Yes. Warts and all. Warts and all. Yep. Uh, America is still the best place for anybody to succeed, um, whether in business or any other lifestyle. Correct. So, uh, but world travels. Yes. Seeing different cultures, different people groups. Correct. In their different particular places gives you that vantage point. It does. You know, we uh, took them, took our kids to Japan. They see the technology in Japan. We took them on a bullet train from Osaka to Tokyo. That's when they go. They realize, man, we should have this in the U.S. Mm. But giving them a world perspective is teaching them outside of the book context. So when they go to school, they're looking at it from a different lens. Yeah. Than so I didn't have else. to than everybody else because I didn't have to teach them those things. They're yeah. looking at, well, the teacher's not right when they said that, yeah. or because they're coming from a very limited view and perspective. So that is important because the Lord has placed the responsibility for teaching our kids on us as parents, not on the school teachers. But yet sometimes we shift that responsibility on the school system. Not fair to the school system at all. I don't expect them to. Even though we do expect them to, we can't expect them to. We have to take that responsibility that God's given us. Just training starts at the house. It does. Absolutely. And But what kind of tools are we giving them? You know, every book that I've brought here today for the audience to see and read, I got my kids to read it. Mm. And I tell them, like, during the summer break, they're not going to do anything until they give me a, a summary of what they read. I say, hey, give me a chapter. Let me know what you understand. I didn't buy 5,000 copies of that until my wife and kids read through and go, Dad, this is the best book that's been yeah, on the marketplace. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, I go on Amazon. Man, I'm buying this stuff. Why? Because I want to give it to my clients that can get themselves educated. And I tell everybody, man, those books, they took the same concept out of a book called Saving Your Future. But it's simple language, written in very simple terms. But they made it more colorful with pictures yeah. inside of that. Yeah, and and Lee, so when you're talking about like um, how money works, correct? I, I want to talk about this because money is a formula. It is. Uh, those who have money have figured out the formula. Those who don't have not figured out the formula. It is That's right. money is a formula. It is. Uh, same same way in which we look at markets in the U.S. Um, even though a market may be up, it may be down. The markets are typically cyclical. Correct. And markets tend tend to correct themselves without little intervention. Correct. So when you're talking about how money works. That's right. How does money work? See, money has to work for you. Money has to go to work. Money doesn't call in sick. It's an employee working for you 24 hours a day. So wherever you position your money, what kind of returns are you getting on that consistently? Whether the markets go up and if the markets go down, are you losing or do you have somebody guaranteeing that? So that's the rate of return. That's the rate of return we're talking about. Okay, so what is the rate of return? You know, rate of return is whatever you're getting net of fees. If you're an investment account, net of fees. If you're an insurance account, net of fees. In a bank, you know, they charge you fees, but they give you nothing yeah, on the return. Exactly. But this is where we talk about rate of return. People don't understand this. Take $100, for example. If the markets do 50%, you just made $150. Mm-hmm. If it loses 50%, mm-hmm. you just went from 150 to $75. Mm-hmm. But when you get your financial statement, you get a statement that says you made plus 50 minus 50, your average was zero the last two years. The reality was you got a negative 25% yeah. that they don't talk about. <laughs> right. You take 100 people, 95 to 9,700 people never figure that math out. So you look at a typical 401k plan, an IRA account, a mutual fund account, the markets are constantly going up and down. Mm-hmm. Every time it goes up, you do well. Every time it goes down, mm-hmm. you're losing. We talk about dollar cost averaging to make it over a long period of time. You still win. And thus you're riding this big roller coaster of life. Correct. Yeah. But what if you could take all the wins and at the losses, you had somebody guaranteeing you a floor? Mm. And the only companies that do that today is insurance companies. 
And as an investment advisor, you know, I work in both worlds, insurance world and investment world. Not a single investment company can give you a guarantee on an investment. Oh, man, you, this is such good stuff. This, this is such good stuff. Insurance. Yes. Uh, which is one of the ways that wealthy people leverage their wealth. Absolutely. Which is one of the ways how they pass generational wealth. wealth. Okay, uh, I was just talking, uh, Lee, I was just talking to a good friend upstairs, Deacon Booker, and I said, you know what? I am worth more dead than I am alive. Okay, I have insurance policies that um, I've taken out a long time ago. This is a, the, the thing that the parents don't like to do. I took right. out insurance policies on my kids Absolutely. very, very, very early. I did that, for one, because of their age. I did that, too, to guarantee insurability in right. case anything would have happened throughout the years. But I put insurance policies on them very, very early. Right. And those insurance policies are paying dividends even That's to right. this day. Insurance is one of those things that you can quickly fix. That's right. Because everybody can, that, that what do you say, that 100 to $200 that you can find right. somewhere around, you can it. allocate that in regards to insurance. So talk about the power of insurance. Let me talk about that. So there's different kinds of insurance today. You have something temporary and something permanent. Insurance is cheap when you're young. It gets expensive when you get older. Mm-hmm. The closer we are to seeing God, insurance companies charge you a premium for it. But you can get, I sit down with single moms, three kids, and all they got is 50 bucks in the month. They can get a half a million dollar policy today with some living benefits, like a critical or a chronic illness, for 50 bucks. Mm. And they got a half a million dollars in place. Maybe all they had at the end of the month was 100 bucks. But now they're worth a half a million if something happens to them. Wow. Instantly, with a stroke of 20 minutes of writing some paperwork, we're going through an underwriting process to put a plan in place for that family. Mm. But this is what I tell the family. Buying a term is just like renting an apartment. We're not building any equity. Yeah. At some point, you gotta understand permanent. And there's so many different kinds of permanent today, from the whole life that came out 100 years ago, mm-hmm. to variable, mm-hmm. to index, to mm-hmm. universal. Which one's right for you? That's where financial literacy comes in. See, people never, and they're all good, if you understand them. Yeah, yeah, they all got their place. They all got their place. Yeah. Which one's best for your family? Depends on your understanding. And that's where the learning curve comes in. I tell people all the time, before you make any kind of investment, take time to learn. Mm. Take a step back. Learn to stop. Learn to ask the right questions. Then know why you invested. You know why you bought that home. You know why you bought that car. Why did you buy that financial instrument? Did somebody sell it to you or did you buy it because you understood it? The day you understand what you bought is the day you could start winning. Mm. Because you cannot buy something you don't understand. It doesn't help you. 20, 30 years will go by and you're like, man, what happened? We need to fix that. That's where the financial literacy comes in. We can only pass to the next generation what we are able to learn and apply. And that's where you touched early on. Not, knowledge is just knowledge if we don't apply it. Yeah. Application of knowledge is powerful. Knowledge by itself is just useless. We can have a lot of knowledge, but if we don't apply any of that stuff, it just sits there. We gotta start applying the things that we're learning. So not only are we learning, we're applying them, and that's how we start going on the winning strategy. I tell folks, it doesn't matter how old you are. People are living longer today because of medical advances. Mm-hmm. People are living till 88, 90, 91 years old. 50 years ago, people were living till 60 years yeah, old. Yeah, that's right. We got a 30-year advance in age. So if you're 60 years old, you got 30 more years to live, how are you going to plan the next 30 years? If we, say, if we told people Social Security is going to run out the next 7 to 10 years, let's say that was the case. You know, most people, oh, they couldn't do that. Well, what if they did? We have a seven to 10 year head start to start planning for it. Mm-hmm. So if it didn't happen, we still got that extra money and we still create another stream of income. But what if it did happen, you didn't plan for it? We're in a world of trouble. So the government is not gonna take care of us. I don't care who's in the presidential yeah, office. Yeah, could be. <laughs> They're not gonna take care of us. So what we have today is complimentary workshops. 
right? We have workshops that talk about how to manage debt. The, the process that we talked about, the debt roll-up versus freezing debt, we have it right here. We talk about the pieces of itemizing every expense that you have. It's in our first workshop. We talk about how to increase that cash flow by really managing your debt. The moment you manage your debt, you increase your cash flow. What people don't realize today, the average family spends between $700 to $1,500 a month in interest mm. on their stuff every month. Mm. Between car payments, between home payments, between credit card payments, between school loans, all that carries an interest payment, if they total that out, $700 to $1,500 a month. A month. A month. And just interest. In interest. So, you know, those are things that, you know, we want, want to make sure that the education comes in. I know we had a couple of the folks from the church. They had dropped these workshops. But again, people, unless they, they see themselves having value, they never invest the time to learn. And this was offered complimentary here when uh, I think Pastor Homie, you and Pastor August was able to bring that into mm-hmm. the church. And yet people will have one or two people attend a workshop. And because why? They don't feel like that 30 minutes is worth their time to learn. So you're you're touching um, with me a very, very hot button because, you know, even as you're looking at 2020 with COVID-19, um, we had 57 million Americans since March the 3rd of 2020 file for unemployment. That's right. 57 million. Yes. Um, within a matter of six months, file for unemployment. Life is completely different in Correct. 2020, where you could have been riding a high at the beginning of the year. Job has uh, shriveled up. Uh, you know, mandates have been put in place. And what was once very nice to look at at a certain period of time Correct. has now been dropping in droves. Correct. And so people are now looking at a new reality. And so I think this is even more appropriate now than it yes. ever has. And so when you're talking about how money works, um, this book, and I'm, we're going to put uh, these links on the uh, on the podcast so that you can look sure. at those. But I want to talk about this when we get back, because Correct. this, I believe, is the principle or not the principle, but a principle that everybody Correct. should know. Absolutely. Money works in a certain form, Correct. and it doesn't matter if you're black, doesn't white, matter. indifferent, love God, don't love God. Correct. Money doesn't care about any of that. That's right. Money does not see color. Money does not see color. Correct. It, it does doesn't not see have. political professor. Uh, it does not. Uh, it doesn't, right? Correct. Okay. So we're going to talk about that on the other side of this break. Brother Lee Thomas, World yes. Financial Group. Man, this has been such a um, a blessing for me. Um you know, you said that you got comments from some of your past clients about, you know, where were you 10 years ago, 10, Correct. 15 years ago? Absolutely. Um, I want to encourage those who are watching. Um, we may have hit on a couple of hot button issues that may Correct. have got right down on Main Street for you. And there's a tendency to be overwhelmed um, with where you are. Correct. Um, but I want to encourage you. I, I really want to encourage you with everything that's in me. That no matter where you are, no matter where you are, the top of the mountain, the bottom of the valley, and anywhere in between, take an assessment of that place. Correct. And then start from there. If you don't have any money in the bank, you got a couple of dollars at the end of the month after you go through all of your expenses, but you see a better day on the horizon for you and your family, start right there. Uh, Because the principles that we're talking about right now are very, very important. I just want to, just for a second, um, you know, anytime that we're talking about things in life, like with our bodies, right. something goes wrong with our bodies, we go to somebody who has studied bodies. Right. That's right. A doctor. Yep. You have no problem going to the doctor. Correct. Something's going on in the body. I need to go to somebody that knows more about the body than I do. That's right. Uh, my car breaks. That's right. I go to somebody who is a mechanic. That's right. I have no problem taking my car to a mechanic. Correct. But when it comes to finances. Correct. 
um, th- there's a tendency for people to be apprehensive yes. on going after those who know more about finances than they do. And I think in the same way that you go to the doctor, in the same way that you go to a mechanic, Correct. you need to go to somebody that has more knowledge in That's that right. area of life Correct. than you do. Absolutely. There's nothing embarrassing about that. So when you're talking about these things like saving for your future, uh, these little things, these small changes in budget. Correct. Um, I love Xfinity. I love them. Great company, great products. Uh, but it ain't worth $400 a month. No, it's not. It ain't worth $400 a month, y'all. Correct. Small changes. Big impact. Uh, Netflix, Hulu. That's right. Can get you the same benefit. Correct. That that big old bill is bringing you. Those small changes make a big impact. That's so right. speak about those small changes that people can make. Absolutely. So think about today, you know, before the whole pandemic, people would go stop at Starbucks or pick up yeah. that breakfast on the yeah. way to work or <laughs> pick up that lunch during work or pick up the dinner on the way back. And it's so easy to spend that $10. I usually ask people to write down everything they spent their money on on a daily basis. And the people find it very quickly. They might have bought a couple lot of tickets that day. They might have bought a coffee that day that cost $5 at Starbucks, $2 on lot of tickets. And then they spend another $15 on dinner on the way back from, uh, from work. But they pack a lunch. So they won one battle, but they lost <laughs> three other battles. Yeah, that's a good word. So, you know, so how do you pay attention to every detail? Because it's not the big things that really kill you. It's the yeah. small things. Small things. Because you already know what your big expenses are, like your mortgage or rent or your car payment. But what gets you is those little added expenses on your credit card, your little purchase that you thought you really needed, but you really wanted them. It mm-hmm. wasn't a need. Uh, it wasn't like your kids had holes in their shoes that they needed new shoes. Yeah, they needed new shoes. They wanted another 10th pair, you know. And you see those things, and differentiating needs and wants is so important. You know, I see parents throwing a $2,000 birthday party for their child. They'll have this big uh, bounce houses. They'll bring all this arcade to the home and have all this gear, and everybody's having a great time, but that same parent will not put a couple hundred dollars a month away mm. for their child. Mm. But they just find a way to spend $2,000 $2, on the birthday. That just, it's gone in a matter of a couple of hours. So those are things that, where does education fit in? So that's what financial literacy is about. I'm not saying if you're a parent that does these things, not to do them, if you have the money to do them. If mm. you got 25000 to save for your child, and you want to spend $2,000, by all means, go ahead and do that. But if you haven't had anything safe for your child and you're spending $2,000, we have a problem. Yeah. You know, so now your car breaks down. Now you have expenses. Now you didn't have the cash in. They borrowed on the credit card. Now you're paying interest on that credit card. Next thing you know, you like the nice watch. Or that new iPhone 12 that we were talking about that came out. All of a sudden, you felt like you needed that $1,200 device. If you just waited a couple of years, you'd have got <laughs> half the price. Yeah. You know, it's those things that if you just wait, good things come to those who wait. And a lot of time, people don't have that patience anymore to wait anymore. They want that stuff today. You know, I want it, and I have the ability to get it so I can go get it. Mm-hmm. Me, me and my wife made a decision a long time ago. It doesn't matter how much money we have. We're going to prayerfully make every decision. Mm-hmm. That will keep you from a lot of trouble. So it's not dictated on money anymore. It's dictated, well, did the Lord ask us to go yeah, get did that? did the Lord want me to do that? You know, that will prevent you from getting into trouble with your finances because your finance and the Word has a lot to do together. You'll make less mistakes when you pray on something and prayerfully do it. Absolutely. You'll still and, make and, some mistakes. And, and you, you, you are, um, I'm going to publicly say this because I want you to chime in on all of our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. I want you to comment. Uh, I am really going to pray that God would allow us to do a part number two on this uh, because everybody, I think this is just absolutely vital information. 
um, because God has us all in a particular right. place for a reason. Absolutely. You're watching this for a reason. You didn't just stumble up on the podcast in this particular topic. Uh, God has you looking at this for a reason. Right. And because I believe money impacts every single aspect of our lives. That's right. We have to learn how to manage it. Correct. To the glory of God first. Amen. To the glory of God first. Because it's it's easy to worship money. Correct. It's another thing to worship with your money. That's right. Uh, as a missions pastor, I have so many people come up to me, man, Pastor Oman, man, I want to go on a mission trip with you. Man, I want to go on a mission trip with you. How much is it? And then I tell them how much it is. They and they can't like, go. Can't go. So money is stopping you from fulfilling God's will and God's right. call on your life. Think about that. Think about the things that you want to do Correct. that you can't do because you don't have access to certain resources. That's right. But you can change it. Correct. You can change the dynamic. Before I get your contact information, I want to I want to just say this, man. Sure. I, I, um, I had a, um, a principal. Didn't read it in a book anywhere. Uh, I'm you know, I'm a very um, conservative believer. So I didn't hear a voice from heaven. Sure. I didn't see writing on the wall. Um, but a few years ago, I started to live by this power of five rule. Mm. And the power of five rule simply says that whatever I'm looking to go buy, if I can't buy five of them at the same time that I'm trying to buy one, That's a great rule. then I can't afford the one that I'm trying to buy. Correct. So if I go out and look at a pair of shoes and those shoes are nice, if I can't buy five of those shoes, Correct. then I can't afford the one that I'm trying to buy. Correct. And so what that does is gives me perspective, mm -hmm. you know, that, that want versus need battle that we all fight. Right. Exactly. Right. So we have to create these kind of barriers within us Correct. because the flesh, taking it back to the Bible, no. wants more Correct. and more That's right. and more and more and more. The Bible says that the flesh is never satisfied. Correct. So financial literacy will help us to put boundaries in place. Correct. For the safety of us and our families. Absolutely. And that's that generational aspect that we don't talk nearly enough about. So, Lee, I want to first, man, I want to tell you and, and say this publicly uh, on the podcast, man, I think this is absolutely vital information. Yes. And everybody, we're going to have links up on the uh, on the um, uh, podcast to show you these things. But I want to give you a couple of minutes, man, to talk sure. about World Financial Group, uh, what you offer, how people can get in touch with you. Sure. Um, and just encourage some people with where they may be. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Pastor Holman, I want to appreciate you for giving this time to just talk about financial literacy. It's uh, very near and dear to my heart. Um, this is something that's been my campaign for 20 years. Um, I started saving money since I was 18 years old. Mm. Uh, I was a spender in my early years. 16 and 17, I was spending money just like everybody else. My dad asked me a simple question. He said, if I kept spending the money, would we have what we have today? Mm. And you know what I told him, Lord, uh, Dad, if uh, Jesus comes tonight, can't take it with you. <laughs> and that's when he talked about, because we grew up in the church. Um, uh, I've been a Christian. Uh, I've been saved. And, you know, a lot of times as Christians, we feel like God's going to take care of us. He will. But he also gives us the wisdom to make the right decisions. And making bad decisions consistently is not going to save us. Mm. And that's where taking the word, interpreting the word for what it is, matters. Uh, as a World Financial Group, we're an independent marketing organization. We represent over 115 insurance companies, over 200 investment firms today. And what the, we bring to the table is just like Amazon. You go to Amazon, you see what you like, you see some reviews, and you're able to shop the different companies. That's what we bring. Every carrier we carry today is a AAA-rated carrier, which mm -hmm. means they're vetted. Mm -hmm. 
The moment they drop their rating, World Financial Group drops them off their distribution. Mm. So we have access to resources from basic debt management. We work with a company, uh, Debt America. All they do is help people get out of debt. So we have business owners that's going through. So if they're trying to file bankruptcy, I said, listen, if you file bankruptcy, it hurts you for seven years. Yeah. Why don't you go to a Debt America process where you're able to sustain your debt, maybe hurt your credit for two or three years, mm-hmm. but you still got four years of time back. Yeah, yeah. You have that option. But let's say you're making the money and you just don't know how to manage debt. I would highly recommend you to go to the debt roll-up process. Get your debt out of control. Get your debt under control and get out of debt. Uh, there's no such thing as good debt, even though people like to think it's good debt. Uh, people used to think college debt was good debt. There's no guarantee you're going to get a job when you come out of college. Yeah, so right. how is that a good debt? That's right. Right? Unless you know for sure the debt you're getting into is going to make you money, then it's good debt. A lot of time people tell me a home is a good debt. Well, it depends if you paid your house off. Come on. Because you could pay a house for 10 years. Try missing two payments on that home and see come whose on. house that belongs come to. Come on. <laughs> you know, so there's no such thing as good debt unless you really understand your debt's going to make money in terms of business. If you're going into business, you had to borrow some money and knew for sure this expansion project was going to bring you X amount of returns and you vetted it so many different ways, then it's a good time to uh, put that money out. So a lot of time we justify things based on how we were taught uh, on certain things and certain beliefs. Hey, some debt's good debt, some debt's bad debt. I will leave that for you. I will highly recommend you talking to somebody that understands these things before you make a decision, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and pass home. I mean, you understand a lot. I think this is where counseling comes in uh, for both husband and wives together to make sure they're making good financial decisions. But these are things that I want to tell every family today. Everyone has an estate. If you have a child, you own a car, you own a home, who gets it if you're gone tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Where does it state that? Do you have a document that states that? Do you know it doesn't cost you much to do that? You don't have to go see a law firm. They have so many electronic documents online today. You can do that. Take care of that. Don't let the courts decide who's going to get your child, who's going to get your home, who's going to get your cars. You decide that while you're still around. Look at uh, Michael Jackson's estate. They're Mm. still uh, still in court battle over that estate. Prince, too. Yeah. Prince. So Mm -hmm. those are things that even though people have money, has nothing to do with financial literacy. That was a missing piece right there. If you don't have insurance, we talked about the 10-20 rule. Get 10 times your gross income in place today. See somebody that you trust, put that plan in place. If you don't have somebody, come see us. You can reach us out through Pastor Holman, through the Church of Bethel Family, so we can be able to help you with that. But get that in place. Make sure you're getting the right tools in place for you and your family. If you're in debt, get out of debt. Find a way to start increasing your cash flow. I don't care where you are today. Either you cut down your expenses or you increase your income. Mm. Those pieces never change. Find a way to mitigate your tax problem. This is a big deal. As when you work in a, in a job, you gotta find a way to start some kind of business, some kind of hobby that you could turn into business. Why? To give you more control of your tax planning. There's only two kinds of people in this country, the ones that understand taxes and the ones that don't. That's right. So it's so important to learn that piece. And if you need help with that, we do have a class on tax planning. As a class on estate planning, we do have a class on building wealth and retirement planning. These are different workshops we do at a complementary basis around the country today in different time zones. So you can see, and maybe we'll have the calendars linked mm-hmm. uh, to be able to have the church be able to broadcast that on a complementary basis. I truly believe in getting educated first before you make any decisions and give your money to anybody. Whether you see me or you see somebody else, don't just give your money. Take time to get educated first, then make a decision how you want to put your money in the right places. Um, that being said, it's such an honor for me to be here with you today and uh, sharing these concepts. I feel every family in this country needs to know, not just here, abroad as well. And that will solve a lot of problems in our country. 
Um, the moment we understand how to master our money, money goes to work for you. And we've been completely financially free and financially independent for seven years. I've been financially free for a long time, but financially independent for the last seven years. And that that, that is a good feeling to go yes. to bed with at night. Um, everybody, because money can cause anxiety. Money yes. can keep you up at night. Money... You know, out of the 53% divorce rate that's happening in America among marriages, Correct. 41% of that is due to financial difficulties. And so when you kind of think about that money has the power, um, even though it's an inanimate object, if Correct. I put a $20 bill on this table, it's not going to move. Correct. So money works on whatever hand that it's in. That's right. And the biblical principle about money is that money is neither good nor evil. That's right. Um, it didn't say that uh, the money is the root of all evil. It says that the love of money is good is the root of all evil. So it really makes a difference in what hand that it's in. That's and right. so we really got to educate the hands. That's it. Because uh, everybody out there, you have money around somewhere. You've learned how to make money. Now we got to learn what to make money work for us. That's right. And so, Mr. Lee Thomas, I want to thank you so, so very much from the bottom of my heart, man. Uh, I want to encourage those who are watching. Uh, God has you watching for a reason. No matter where you are in life, no matter where you are in life, start right there. Um, no matter where you're watching us at, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, make sure you like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss one single episode of Studio B. Thank you very much, everybody. We're going to see you next week.